DC sports suck. They are so bad and at the worst possible times. But we still have a great show for you. Welcome to District Divided Episode 4. I'm your host, Amit Singh. Also on this, aside from the State of the Union, I do a deep dive on the Nats with my ex, and we go on the docket. So it's a fairly short episode relative to other ones. I know you guys have been listening to this on SoundCloud, and I greatly appreciate it. By next week, I hope to have a logo for District Divided and hope to be putting this on Spotify, iTunes, you name it, it's going to be on there. Anyway, let's get straight to that State of the Union. What a rough, rough week for DC sports. Let's start with basketball. The Washington Wizards on a four-game road trip, so not much to be expected there. I'd said one in three was expected last week, and that's exactly what happened. A 119-129 loss at Utah. Bradley Beal with 42 points. Then a 124-110 win at Golden State. Very nice, complete control for the Washington Wizards. Beal had 22 in the first quarter. He ended up finishing with 34 on the night because Davis Bertans decided to help out with 29 points on 8 of 10 shooting from 3. That'll get it done. Unfortunately, lose to Sacramento, 126-133, but let me lay this down for you. We're down 27 at the half, 49-76. The Wizards, in the third quarter, 46 points while holding Sacramento to just 19. So the game is tied entering the fourth at 95 apiece, but the Kings managed to pull away. And again, the final score, 126-133. Bradley Beal with 35 points. And finally against Portland, 105-125 loss. Damian Lillard returned for Portland and he was simply too much. The game was never close. No Sacramento near heroics this time. Bradley Beal finished with 29 points. Beal is still second in the NBA in points per game with 30 and a half behind only James Harden, who has a whopping 34.9 per game. And we're still four and a half games back of the eighth seed, currently occupied by the Orlando Magic. On to college basketball. Your Maryland Terrapins, I don't know what's going on anymore. I call them a Final Four team, and next thing you know, they lose their next two games. 78-66 loss versus then number 17 Michigan State. It was the first home loss of the season, but this is what Michigan State does around this time of year. Tom Izzo coaches those boys up, and all of a sudden, they look like this beast in March. We'll see what happens there for them. And then a 67-78 loss at Rutgers. Picking a bad time to play bad basketball. But, you know, there's still a final regular season game against number 25 Michigan at home on Sunday. And then the Big Ten Tournament, which starts Wednesday, March 11th. Maryland is still locked for the NCAA Tournament, so they have nothing to worry about. But the other team, the Georgetown Hoyas, have plenty to worry about. Or really, nothing to worry about at all anymore now that the season's over. Had two games last week, and they were both losses. 63-66 at home to Xavier. Najee Marshall hit the go-ahead three with four and a half seconds left. And a 76-91 loss at number 11 Creighton. Not even going to read the stats from that one. That game wasn't even close. The only avenue for the Georgetown Hoyas to get in is to win the Big East Tournament. They have their final regular season game against number 14 Villanova, but that doesn't even matter. The Big East Tournament starts Wednesday, March 11th. 
and this is the only way they get in. They need to win four games in four days against the elite teams. They will probably play St. John's or DePaul to start it, and then if they win that, if they win that, which is a big if, they're going to play either Creighton or Seton Hall or Villanova, and then they're going to play one of those three teams in the semifinal should they win that game, and then they would have to win the final as well. Four games, four days, seven players. <laughs> we'll see what happens over there. Moving on to hockey. The Cavs went one and two. They started off being blanked by the Winnipeg Jets. Just a flat performance altogether. Nothing more to be said there. A 4-3 win at the Minnesota Wild. Pretty crazy first period. It sees the Caps go up 3-2. Ovechkin had two goals and Richard Ponick scored as well. Brendan Dillon gets into his first fight as a capital. Can't say he won it though. It looked either 50-50 or if I'm being honest, the guy on the Wild won it. Tom Wilson gets what becomes the game-winning goal when he made it 4-2. Good guys in the third period and then uh, just finished 4-3. The Flyers then come to town, and we lose 5-2. Lars Eller puts us up 1-0 in the first period. Tom Wilson gets in a fight and absolutely obliterates whomever he's fighting. Couldn't even mention the name. Doesn't even matter. He just obliterated him. The Flyers then take over and go up 3-1. Garnet Hathaway scores for us in the second period, and Tom Wilson gets in another fight and wins that one too. And then we give up two third-period goals to lose 5-2. So here is the rhythm we apparently set up for ourselves. We score, Tom Wilson fights, we give up consecutive goals, we repeat. And the Flyers have won seven straight games, so look out for them. DC United, season opener, Jason Dupal was on the air last week telling you about it. He predicted 2-1 or 3-1 win for DC United. Unfortunately, we lost 2-1. Russell Knaus, who's normally a holding midfielder, played right back, scored on a header off new boy Julian Gressel's corner kick to put us up 1-0 in the 60th minute. Kai Kamara tied it up at 1-1 in the 67th minute, and Jonathan Lewis scored the winner. It was a bit scrappy in the 92nd minute, so true heartbreak for DC. And it was really cold and windy at the stadium. I was there, and honestly, I was just glad the game ended. It was so cold outside. But the new front four will gel. It takes time. Next game is against Inter-Miami, which is David Beckham's team this Saturday at 3.30, and we're at home for that one, so let's see what happens there. Two new additions for DC United, Federico Iguain, who's a 35-year-old Argentine playmaker. You may have heard the name Iguain before. That's because his brother, Gonzalo, is a very well-known international soccer star playing for Juventus right now, alongside Cristiano Ronaldo and Aaron Ramsey, for all you Arsenal fans out there. And then Mohamed Abu is joined from Valenga, a Norwegian club, and he is a 28-year-old Ghanaian holding midfielder that also played for the Columbus crew, like Federico Iguain, a couple seasons back. So they have a bit of chemistry together. And let's look at your DC defenders who did nothing. And I mean it, zero points. They played the 0-3 Tampa Bay Vipers and are now 0-2 on the road, and they have a bad habit of giving teams their first ever win. LA last week, Tampa Bay this week, 25-0. We got no sacks and ran only 39 plays to Tampa Bay's 80. Cardale Jones, another bad outing. 9 for 22 for 72 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. That one interception right after Raheem Moore, safety for the defenders, had an interception of his own to get us the ball back. It's just been one of those games, I guess. Missed a couple deep shots that would have been walk-in touchdowns, so Cardell's gotta hit those. I expect he will bounce back. And he falls to 13-2 as a starter lifetime since high school. 
The defenders are now 2-2 two two on the season. They are at home where they are 2-0 and against the 3-1 and St. Louis Battlehawks. That is Sunday at 3 p.m. on FS1 if you have any interest in that. And here we go. We are about to talk about the defending world champion Washington Nationals. So diving right on into that deep blue ocean water, I'm here with a man that held out on me for far too long, but he's returned to his senses and he is back. His name is Maximilian Ewert. Max, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right, Amit. I'm doing all right. I feel like you'd be doing more than all right if you were still co-hosting this with me. What'd you think? I might be feeling better, but right now I think I got a lot going on and I'm, I'm fine with where I'm at. So before we get into the Nats, let's talk about, let's dig into that statement. You got a lot going on. What exactly do you have going on? So I've recently started a new job uh, working with Arlington County, and uh, I'm considering, uh, well, well, maybe, maybe uh, next time, next time I'm here, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what I'm considering. But I'm, I'm brewing up something different. <laughs> All right, Max is brewing. And speaking of the brewers. That was a team we beat in the uh, wild card last year. Is that right? That that is that is one hundred percent correct. That was uh one one heck one heck of a game that we attended, didn't we? Uh, we were at that game, weren't we? We were. And um, did you ever give up hope? Not for one damn second, man. I'll be honest. I did for a moment. Max did have to pick me up. He had his rally cap on, and sure enough, it came through. Juan Soto. Juan Goto. Juan, perdón. Juan Goto. Now getting on to the Nats, all jokes aside, it's good to have you here, Max. Can we talk about, so spring training has already begun, of course, and the Nats are, I want to say four and six, four, six and one or something like that. How much stock do you put into this preseason, this spring training that occurs in the MLB and for the Nationals specifically? So with spring training, I think it's a lot less about the record. Four and four, six and one. You look at that and you think, okay, not good. Uh, defending World Series champs, they should be better, and um, the record doesn't show it. But with world with the spring training, you have you're you're looking at the forty man roster. So you have players who are minor leaguers. Um, you're testing out arms in certain situations for pitching staff that um, they're normally not going to be in. So the record really isn't emblematic of it. What you really want to look at is individual performances, um, and especially individual performances of players that could be replacing big names or or uh, position battles that will um, bear itself out as we get closer to the regular season. Interesting. And can you talk about some of those individual performances that have occurred in spring training so far as stuff to look forward to for the season for the Nationals? Yeah, Um there are a couple players that have done uh, really well and have really made a, a little bit of a name for themselves. Some some old names, some new names. Um, one name in particular is one that r- real big Nats fans are going to remember is Emilio Bonifacio. He was on the Nationals, I think, 2012-2013, a little bit before they started making their big playoff runs. Um, kind of a uh, what people who are big baseball fans kind of used to describe as a, a 4A player, someone who's a little bit better than AAA, that's the minor leagues, but not quite good enough to make the 25-man roster. And 
one thing that the Major League Baseball did this year was they they added one more player. They added a 26 man. Um, Emilio Bonifacio is uh, short, not particularly strong, doesn't fit today's game. However, he's a great fielder. He's extremely fast and um, someone who could be really dangerous in certain situations. And he's been batting over 300 in the spring in spring training, fielding really well and um, someone who you can look forward to kind of filling up that 26 man roster. So do you see him being a, a maybe not to key in on, on him too much, but do you see him being that kind of guy that's already a lock for the roster or could fill that 26 spot and that rule change does heavily impact a guy like Bonifacio? Um, I definitely think the rule change benefits him, but I don't know if he's necessarily a lock yet. We have a, a couple players who are kind of in a similar situation where um, they bounced back between the minor leagues and, and full-time last year. Someone like uh, Adrian Sanchez, who also very good fielder, but not not the best um, hitter. And then Andrew Stevenson also, who, again, great fielder, but not the best hitter. I think Andrew Stevenson and Emilio Bonifacio will be two players that you can look at having a, a, a big position battle during spring training. Um, another player that I think you can look at as having a, a really positive impact this season or this spring training has been Joe Ross. Um, Joe Ross was stellar, kind of came out of nowhere in 2016, 2017, um, had Tommy John surgery, and it's been slow for him coming back. Uh, at the beginning of spring training, it was kind of seen as a three way battle for the fifth starting pitching spot between Joe Ross, Eric Fetty, and Austin Voth. Um, all of those players have started. Um, in the past and to varying degrees of success. And I think Joe Ross has done a really good job of separating himself out from that group. And um, I think he's pretty much a lock to be that fifth starter. Excellent. And so now getting away from spring training a little bit, we defending world champions and what a run it was. I mean, it was, of course, just magical. It had its moments where in the World Series, the road team won every single time. We beat the Houston Astros, and now all of a sudden there's this sign-stealing stuff. Really cool story. But moving on to this season, you know, Anthony Rendon was an absolute rock for us, right? And now he's gone. So in terms of roster turnover, have we made any sort of big splash, any sort of idea of who's going to replace Rendon? And could you project what that lineup's going to look like for the Nationals this coming season for that title defense. Yeah, so as far as big-name free agent signings, the Nationals didn't really do that this season. Um, I think our general manager, Mike Rizzo, has really prided himself on developing some young talent who can really step in and um, take the reins from some of the players that we lost this offseason. Anthony Rendon is a top-five Major League Baseball player, I think, and... uh, um, batter, um, and is uh, that's irreplaceable. But we do have some young players, Carter Keboom, who's been a prospect for a while, who came up last year and, and honestly didn't have that great of a a, a few games. Um, but he went back down to AAA, batted around 300, hit 20 home runs, and I think uh, I think he's ready to take that next step. Um, one of the big things with him is going to be whether or not his glove kind of um, can make the transition to third base. He had a couple errors. Uh, last year and has made a couple errors in spring training so far. Um, as far as the 26-man roster goes, I've managed to break it down to 29 players. Oh, boy. Um, I have 10 locks, and that are and those are six uh, fielders and four starters. Uh, left field, Juan Soto. 
Right field, Adam Eaton. Center field, Robles. Second base, Starlin Castro, another free agent signing. Shortstop, Trey Turner, and then catcher, Kurt Suzuki. But he'll be in a platoon with Jan Gomes, very similar to last season. Um, and then the four starters are Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, and Anibal Sanchez. Excellent. And you were talking about Joe Ross potentially being that fifth guy. Is that right? Yeah, I think um, if, if it were up to me, I would say yes, he is that fifth guy. But I think anything can happen. Um, Austin Both and Eric Fetty by no means have had bad spring trainings. And if Dave Martinez sees something in them that, that he likes, then they'll be the fifth starter. Beautiful. And so what would you say that the expectations are for this season? I know last season we were sort of thinking we'd lost Bryce Harper and that was a big deal. He's a big name. But Juan Soto did step up, right? And all of a sudden we went from, uh, you know, we'll see about playoffs to, um, you know, even considering that we are a good possible playoff team to May 24th having the best record in baseball and really just going on that magical run. So what are expectations entering this season? I think if you look at it from a straight up perspective, um, we lost one of the best hitters in baseball and uh, we don't really we didn't really have a big name signing to replace him. I think it would be pretty safe to say that we may not have as good of a season as we did last one in the regular season. It would be pretty season. hard to, so yeah. Yeah. Um, well, as far as the regular season, we, we got off to a really slow start and we ended up did turning it around, but, but the, we definitely had our struggles reg- in the regular season as well. Um, I think there are two big things that could lead to a better season and two little things as well. Um, the big things are Carter Keyboom, like I mentioned earlier. If he can bat around 270, have an average glove, and um, just kind of be a, a slightly above league average player at third base, that would be huge. Um, that in combination with um, Trey Turner having a fully healthy season, I think would be huge. Um, if you go back and watch some games last season, he was playing with nine fingers, essentially just ignoring his uh, one of his index fingers that he broke early in the season. Um, and he still batted about 270 and was a great fielder. I think it wouldn't be absurd to think that he can bat closer to 300, put up those same great fielding numbers, and, and reach 50 stolen bases again. All right. Well, it sounds like we have reasonable expectations. Now, yes, we lost Tony Rendon, but overall, most of the guys are back and... I mean, I would expect uh, at least a playoff push at the very least. Yeah, definitely. And another thing that's going to play into that is our relief, our relievers. Um, last year, our relief was awful. We made a couple big moves during the season to kind of shore that up. Daniel Hudson, who closed out the World Series Game 7, absolutely massive. Um, and then a free agent signing in Will Harris. If it were up to me, um, I would set up the bullpen, or at least the last three innings of the bullpen, to be Tanner Rainey as our seventh man, Will Harris as our eighth man, um, Sean Doolittle as the closer, and, or sorry, seventh inning, Tanner Rainey in the seventh inning, Will Harris in the eighth inning, Sean Doolittle as our closer, and then have Daniel Hudson kind of be in that fireman role. Like if something's going bad, throw in Huddy. Doesn't matter if it's the sixth inning and one of the starters is failing or um, it's eighth inning and Will Harris is struggling. Uh, you have Hudson. He has proven that he can do it use them whenever something's going wrong. Nice. And when does the season start again, Max? Exactly three weeks from today. March 26th is opening day. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm a huge baseball fan. Can't wait to get back out to Nats Park and, and watch some games. 
Well, Max, thanks again for uh, being on the show, the show that we had started together. And last question, what was your favorite memory from last season? So uh, I have, uh, those who know me, I'm very I'm very online. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at CapMax, C-A-P-N underscore Max. Um, my, my favorite thing last season was after we won the World Series and looking back at the reddit post game thread from the march 20 may 23rd game after we got swept by the mets and seeing all the people asking for davy martinez to be fired uh shoot our bullpen into the sun uh doom and gloom all the way around and to see where we ended up it was really exciting um as far as in-season moments without a doubt it was it was a wild card game it was the most exciting moment of of my baseball fandom um after juan soto hit made that hit and they got by uh randall gritchuk in right field just just chills man can't can't stop thinking about it it was that game was just so cool and you i mean you know me i i like baseball i'm not super into it i mean of course being in dc and the nats being a dc team i love the run but that game was so cool and so fun to be a part of the energy was absolutely electric and uh i can't wait for this coming season so max thanks again for being on good to have you as always brother and uh we look forward to having you back soon All right, moving on the docket, we have the Caps tonight against the New York Rangers on the road. We have them at the Penguins Saturday, at the Buffalo Sabres Monday, and at home to the Red Wings on Thursday. I fully expect them to go 3-1, splitting the Rangers and Penguins game tonight and Saturday, going 1-1 there, winning at the Sabres, beating the Red Wings. So expect a 3-1 stretch from the Caps here. The Wizards Three-game home stretch versus the Hawks, the Heat, and the Knicks Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, respectively. Expect them to lose the Heat game. The Hawks game is a bit of a toss-up. You should beat the Knicks. I'm going to go 2-1. and one. Why not? I see them going 2-1, and one, beating the Hawks, beating the Knicks, probably losing to the Heat. The Hoyas against number 14, Villanova, no chance. Loss. The Terps, number 25, Michigan. I expect them to bounce back. Senior night, well, senior day, I suppose, uh, given the timing of that game on Sunday. I expect them to win that game and have some momentum going into the Big Ten tournament. DC United versus Inter-Miami on Saturday. They're still in an expansion team, Inter-Miami is, so I expect DC United to find a way to win and score some goals, thinking 3-1 over there. And the DC Defenders at home to the St. Louis Battlehawks. I'm happy for St. Louis finally having a football team again after the Rams were taken from them. Um, I expect the Defenders to win. They're 2-0 at home. There seems to be a trend with this team. They play better at home. I know it's only been four games, but why not? Screw it. Give it to the defenders. And that is all I have for you today. Once again, we're looking to get onto iTunes, Spotify. I said we. I am, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Looking to get onto Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, etc. Thanks for listening. Polly Polo, take us out. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me I spent my whole damn life in the city